Welcome to the Week in Review, the Sourced Podcast, and it's the 100th Week in Review. The ton. Jordan McDonald, that's gone fast. My name's Michael Crutcher. That's quick. <laughs> Might be quick for you. <laughs> the first 50 was slow for me, real slow. But um, yeah, the second half, the second 50's been good. You're just far better prepared than I am. Oh, I'm prepared out of pure fear of doing this, so <laughs> that's why I'm prepared. Well... We've got to 100 in the week in review and there's a bit to talk about this week. There's a bit. A few different things too that we haven't really touched on before. No. But they're worth talking about. I'm particularly interested in your first one here. Well, this one's interesting. We're going to talk about retail media or Mm. shoppers media, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So retail media, if you want a definition, it's the trade term refers to retailers using their databases and assets to send targeted advertising to consumers based on their shopping preferences. So we're talking here the the likes of direct contact with consumers, uh, websites for these companies. For instance, if you're searching groceries on the Woolworths website and you're finding some brands in a more prominent position than others, Ah, even advertising signs at the front of stores as you go into shops and convincing you to to buy a certain thing. And of course, we've got the radio stations, so Coles Radio and all these other radio stations. So for brands, it offers access to an audience that will be making purchases. Yeah. So that's a Mm. thing. This is not... These are purchases that will definitely be made. So we're mentioning it this week because of a small item in the financial review earlier this week that looked at the success of Chemist Warehouse's retail media workings. Now, the financial review described Chemist Warehouse as the biggest media company you've never heard of. The Fin Review says Chemist Warehouse's latest filing show more than $600 million in revenue from... The revenue line is marketing, advertising, and other. Jeez. Which makes up about 20% of its total revenue. That's pretty big. It's very large. Now, this comes from the things including screens in stores, mm-hmm. a TV show that Chemist Warehouse produces, a magazine, and even a radio show. So TV so, show? Yeah, they've got, yeah. So they've got these different products that find their way onto free-to-air mm, television right, okay. and radio. So. Yeah. And suppliers of products in Canvas Warehouse are invited to make use of these channels, of course, and mm-hmm. they're charged for it. Of course. It's not a goodwill measure. So, Chemist Warehouse aren't the only ones who are making pretty strong progress in this. Woolworths has its own retail media arm called Cartology, began in 2019. There's been a bit written about Cartology over time. It's estimated to have revenue of about 300 to $500 million dollars. And while that's way down on Woolworths' overall revenue, the retail media arm has very high profit margins. So let's ask Woolworths about what Cartology is. In its words, Cartology is a response to the changing retail and media landscape that both us and our supplier partners are trying to navigate. We have the ability to reach customers every day with personally relevant messages via our unique programs and our owned in-store digital and social media channels. (laughs) With insight gleaned from over a billion transactions, we can help further support a better shopping experience for our customers across their retail journey at Woolworths Supermarkets and BWS. So, in other words, they know where the shopper is, they know what the shoppers are doing, and they're using that information to make some pretty handy cash 
for themselves. Yeah. So, oh yeah, this is why. Look, I don't have a rewards card at Woolworths or others. I, I don't have. You the, don't? No, I don't. I've got a, the everyday rewards. So you you then get the emails that come through. Oh, I don't think I get the emails. I think Shan signed up to that, oh, so okay. she gets all of those. But yes, so mm, they know everything about us. These bloody shops. Of course they do. Well, I I have a Dan Murphy's card. I've there. got a Dan's. That's important. It's well, it does because <laughs> it keeps sending me emails about good rum to yeah. buy. So that's an important card. That one. Obviously, I've purchased rum from mm. Dan Murphy's and. The rum brands they're sending me, of course, are going into this revenue line. So now, of course, the Australian experience, there are forecasts here of how much this will continue to grow in Australia. But in the US, retail media reportedly worth more than US $30 billion two years ago. Um, Last year, Amazon reported uh, $37.7 billion in revenues alone from this area. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's some difference in some of these figures saying that walmart's global advertising division grew almost 30 percent last year so it's a growth industry obviously and it's another one that's rattling the old media models uh, that relied on advertising for so long oh yeah that's the point here so where did tv radio and news so where tv radio and newspapers you know dominated advertising these rising competitors are continuing to trouble them so Google and Facebook, they've been doing this for years. Yep. And you know, Chemist it. Warehouse numbers this week shine a, a light on the growth of this market in, in Australia here. So it's definitely worth keeping an eye on. Yeah, just these numbers are so interesting with that Chemist Warehouse stuff, which is why we brought it up this week. But um, we'll keep an eye on that one. And one that you flagged a bit earlier, Jordan, that has come to fruition is Netflix. What part of Netflix is this? Yeah, so we spoke about this a few weeks ago when we were looking at Netflix's Q3 report that um, we looked at a little mention there that Netflix was going to explore some live sport broadcasting, yeah. some some options of its own. And two days ago, they actually did their first ever live sport event and it was called the Netflix Cup Right. What yeah. was the Netflix Cup? So a pretty unique event. So it was a blend of the PGA Tour golfers, Ricky Fowler and Justin Thomas, yep. and then Formula One drivers, Lando Norris and Carlos Sainz. Yep. So effectively, it was two teams racing to play eight holes of golf. Uh, there are actual racing lanes on the grass and all so, of it. So hit the ball, jump into the golf cart and speed yeah. to the next shot. They literally had, uh, you know, at the start of a race, had the lights that go red, 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 green. And that's, that cues them to hit the golf ball and they you know, sprint after it or run, chase after it in the car. Wow. Yeah, it's very ridiculous. Um, bit like, you know, any... <laughs> Any live sporting event, the first one will never be perfect. And Netflix, yes. of course, is no exception. So the obvious one, then the Formula One drivers, shocking at golf. Not and surprising. Absolutely shocking at golf and generally just clueless about the rules. Could they drive the golf carts? Yeah, they could. Okay. Can you believe it? Yeah. Um, so that created plenty of awkward moments throughout the broadcast. Yep. They just generally had no idea what the rules to this game were. Uh, <laughs> typically, the awkward moments you know, are lifted up by good commentary, a strong commentary team, but that unfortunately fell a little bit short right. too. So the commentary was led by a golf pro, Joe, uh, Joel Darman, and the former NFL Network host, Kay Adams. Right. And they tried to keep the atmosphere light. As you would with that type of event. Yes, yeah. Joe was pretty good. He had some witty ob- observations, but after about an hour, it got a bit repetitive, That's apparently. 
K, however, seemed to be the bizarre choice that everyone's puzzled on, um, given she has zero knowledge of golf right. and it was very obvious. So there was okay. a lot of silence throughout the broadcast yes. combined with these awkward moments. Um, and uh, the silence was almost silence even, so there was a lot of audio issue, issues too. So this event was two and a half hours long. I skipped through it before we did the podcast today um, and – a lot of the time, it's either crackling, yep. loud atmosphere noise, yes. or muffled mic. So they've got a few issues they need to sort it out seems there. Seems a long event, two and a half hours. Two and a half hours long. for eight holes of golf. Wow! So they oh, okay. I wonder. Yeah, how I'm no good at golf, but I reckon I can do it quicker. Well, you would be walking faster in two and a half hours for eight holes. I wonder yeah. what they're up to. There was also some criticism about the tone of the event. I think. People had hoped for a more professional sort of sporting display, right. but they had um, a comedian as one of the main on-grass sort of commentators, right. and so it was all just a bit joking aroundy, and I think it, uh, yep. people wanted to feel more serious. And then if things weren't bad enough, the winner of the uh, inaugural Netflix Cup, he ended up dropping it and breaking it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is actually, he was a, the Formula One driver. He's actually dropped a trophy as well oh, in wow. the F1 and broke it. Okay. So um, the saving grace, though, was some great golf from the professionals, of course, Justin and Ricky. They were showcasing some really good skills, yes. reminding the viewers that uh, high-level golf is worth a watch. It's interesting because we keep talking about sport and how important it is to TV, but it's so expensive. You know, the TV rights are showing no signs of going down. No. So no. I guess this wouldn't have had TV rights as such. Obviously, you've got to pay to get these yeah. stars in there, but you're not paying the obscene amounts that TV rights are for no. different sports. So maybe it's a shortcut around that to get uh, some product. But again, maybe some of the things you described there, I'm thinking maybe that you know, like younger kids find that funny. Oh, definitely. Younger kids. I think it's definitely trying to appeal to the younger people that are already spending a lot of time on Netflix. Goes into social media clips yeah, as well. Definitely, and definitely. All I think it's, it's a matter of time before they land on something that's good and then they'll start charging you yep. inside the app for that uh, broadcast. Well, speaking of subscription television, streaming television, again, one we've brought up before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's relevant this week. The Australian Subscription Television and Radio Association, also known as Astra, yep. launched a TV commercial um, to complement a print and social media campaign to convince the federal government to scrap its plan to legislate prominence for free-to-air TV apps on any smart TV. So we've mentioned it before. So what this says is there's this threat that the federal government will put in legislation in which um, TV Makers, when they you get a TV, new TV at home, you yeah. turn it on, and on the home screen comes up um, the ABC, Channel yeah. Seven, Channel Nine, yeah. these some things. of the default ones. Yeah, yeah. So they're mm. they're default and they're prominent there. There's an argument there that well, you know, Australians need access to these basic services. Um, there's also arguments that some TV makers will go, "This is all too hard. We won't bother in Australia, etc." Yep. So. Of course, Astra doesn't like this. So the Australian Subscription Television and Radio Association, their message for this new campaign is don't let the government tell you what to watch or limit your search results. You wouldn't allow it on your phone. It's your TV. It's your living room. The choice should be yours. (laughs) Strong words. That's what they're saying. So they're saying the campaign um, 
aims to, in their words, raise awareness of this issue and galvanise Australians who love their TVs and the content they pay for to act now. Services should not be hidden from consumers or altered in terms of app accessibility and in search. That control should sit with the Australian public who are paying for their devices and the services available on them. And they did some polling this week. The Astra group did some polling which showed that Australians don't want this service. Yeah, it was a pretty overwhelming response too, wasn't it? I'm interested it? in the polling though because I reckon yeah, 95% of Australians haven't heard about this. Yeah, I reckon that's probably Would have been a long explanation. Yeah. Been, and once they explained <laughs> it, they got, oh, okay. Oh, that, no, like no, that. no, no. I want Netflix still there. Yeah, yeah and yeah. I agree with them, I must so, say. So do I. I. I agree. It's a classic media play here though. Who will the federal government listen to? The free-to-air TVs or News Corp, which doesn't want this legislation. News Corp, of course, has um, Binge and Foxtel. It doesn't want this. And, of course, then we have the likes of the Nine Entertainment Group, which has got a foot in each camp. Of course. It owns Nine. It owns Stan. So a real Australian interesting media play here. The federal government in years gone by has pretty much always buckled and given the free-to-air TVs what they want. Um, and the anti-siphoning list is an example of that. So let's see where this one goes. But this week the campaign was launched. So we'll see what happens there. Jordan, another issue this week that you wanted to bring up, which is worth a discussion. <laughs> Hard-hitting topic, this one. Pun intended in a moment. Um most people seem to be familiar with this drink, the hard solo drink. Hard solo, yes. Yes, yes. Um, but it'll soon go by a different name. So there is a regulator called the Australian Beverages Advertising Code Regulator, and we're just going to call it ABAC for short because that is a <laughs> mouthful. Right. They've received multiple complaints from people saying that the drink, hard solo, is too appealing to young people. So this is the alcoholic version of the yeah. Solo. So the famous yellow Solo yeah. can, yeah. yeah. So one of the complaints actually came from a mum who said her seven-year-old saw the can in the fridge and thought it was a normal Solo can. She didn't go ahead and say if you took a swig or not. Oh, but so she, she had a, a can in her own fridge? Yes, yes. Oh, okay, yeah, the seven-year-old's... I know, dicey issue. May have had a dicey issue. In. Yeah, yes. you may or may not have. Yes. Um, but I definitely see it, and I don't know how you couldn't, they, uh, in the article I read, they said that they estimate you'll find a solo in roughly 1.7 million Australian fridges on any given day. Really? Yeah. Wow. Oh, extraordinary oh. stat. So it's a high, it's highly familiar with young people. Yep. Um, plus, you know, Asahi Beverages manufactures the non-alcoholic solo, the one that we're right. all familiar with, the yellow can. They also make the hard solo one. Yep. So it looks, in terms of logo and everything, design the exact Very same. Very similar. So yeah. it is. It is a. It's a tough, tough battle. Um, so the ABAC have found them to be in breach of the code. Uh, so hard solo will now be renamed to hard rated. Hard rated. No, I don't get where rated comes from. I hard don't. R A T E D rated. Yes. So you'll still see right. hard solo until Feb. Or early Feb next year, and that's when they'll swap over to hard rated because of all the production. Right. Um, but they have the manufacturers assured us that um, although the name changed, the taste will be the same. Wow, that's very, very interesting. I can't say I have tried. You've not tried it? No. I know you've got it at the club there. You just we do. We have it, have it on tap at North Devils there, but it's not a uh, purchase I'd be making there, I no, must say. Just uh, the, um, 
plenty of other purchases I would make, but it's <laughs> not me, uh, the hard solo. It's very interesting, this one, though. And, you know, I, I guess we don't focus on alcohol advertising like we do on advertising now for sports betting and yeah. like we did for cigarettes before that was banned. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So you can really – and, and we've, we've had a couple of stories like this in recent years of these – really obvious pictures for a younger audience. Yeah. They're pretty obvious. Um, they just blur the lines a bit. Oh, I mean, I, I think there's – I'm not surprised they've been told to rename it. I'm not surprised at not all. Not at all. So um, – and, and again, it's sort of it, – it, it did, I noticed, get some publicity this week. So, But again, that can also be free publicity as well. True. So True, true, true. You know. Um, now, the – Arias this week, Jordan. The Arias, the Australian Music Night of Nights, to borrow a really <sighs> garbage term. But the Arias <laughs> are on this week um, and there were stories about the free-to-wear numbers of the Aria broadcast were at a yeah. record low. Oh, they weren't good. Apparently they weren't good. But <laughs> okay. the word of mouth about the awards ceremony this week was actually really positive. Oh, was it? Very positive, yes. People who were there, and uh-huh. we did uh, tap our uh, regular contributor Stephen Green to get a few insights. And Green, he said it was a very good ceremony. It was oh, well, I'm much pleased improved. to hear that. It's a shame the numbers don't reflect it, but the I'm glad to hear that. Don't. So I guess that's a question. Mm. Does it matter that TV ratings were down? Does it matter? There are suggestions, of course, um, and Greeny makes a good point that. In a, as Australia's high-profile artists will grow, if they grow, you get more interest in that. If we True. have high-profile Australian yeah. artists as opposed to international artists, it'll bring the audiences in. But, of course, there's social media play as well. It's not – I mean, let's face it, free-to-air audiences are declining overall. Yeah. So it's not hard to say something had the lowest ever ratings of a particular oh, event yeah. when you compare it to previous years. So – but. Jordan, did you watch the Arias and do you care about who wins the Aria Awards? I did not watch the Arias. I didn't even know they were on until you told me when we were in the office. Yes, we were watching the results come through. Well, yeah, I thought it started real early it too. Did. Um, no, I, I didn't watch the Arias and I don't particularly care who won. Mm. Um, I, t- I tend to think that the Arias here, I'm not really sure how the voting's all done. Um, but sometimes I don't think it accurately reflects, or at least, in my opinion, yep. reflects the, the 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 right decision sometimes. Um, but I also think the areas is with the lower viewership, you do risk that becoming less of a you know prestigious award. You know, you got the Grammys. That's obviously yep. the sort of the pinnacle yep. for a, a musician there. But the areas. They do need numbers for it to, to really matter. Um, I don't know how much an yeah. aria does for for yeah. an artist, but yeah, look, and I think so too. I mean, in in the pre-streaming days, I mean, they had clout because everyone sort of knew the competitors. Yeah, that's it. You had to listen to radio or whatever. But there's yeah. such a, I guess, a a field of entrance these days that you know it's not they're not all household names. So. No. Anyway, glad Greeny had a good time and enjoyed that. Now, yeah, you wanted of to bring up something about YouTube and AI. Yeah, it's a quick one, but I think it's important because I think this is going to become a bit more uh, prominent 
as time goes on. So YouTube's rolled out some new rules for content that's been created using artificial intelligence. And creators will now have to tell viewers if they've used AI to create realistic looking videos. In particular, YouTube's focusing on videos that are covering sensitive topics. So things like elections, wars, health crises, or anything about public officials. Yep. So YouTube wants to wants the viewers to know when they're watching something made with AI, yep. and especially when the content is about a serious topic, mm. as we mentioned. If the creators don't share this information, they might have their content taken down okay. or face harsher penalties, like being kicked out of the YouTube Partner Program, which yep. I believe is what uh, is monetizing their videos. Yes. Um, YouTube's also saying that just adding a label might not be enough in some cases. So if you've got a video made with AI and it shows some realistic violence, which aims then to shock or disgust an audience, yes, it could still be removed even with the label. But um, this is all about sticking to YouTube's community guidelines and YouTube enforcing those pretty hard and keeping that harmful content in check. I think it's quite interesting because um, it's going to happen a bit more often now with AI, I reckon. Yeah, well, I think we'll probably be talking about these types of things a bit in the months to come as people get their heads around Mm. what's happening with AI. Now, Google Trends this week, not surprisingly, sport dominates again. Oh, yes. The largest was yesterday, 500,000 plus. Yeah, the Cricket World Cup yesterday, Australia's excellent win over South Africa into the final on Sunday. That did easily the number one Google search trends this week, the Cricket World Cup, Mm -hmm. ahead of um, on the day before Wednesday, 100,000 plus for India, New Zealand in the first semi-final. Um, And then coming in third this week in Google search trends was the Socceroos in Bangladesh. Oh, really? 50,000 plus yesterday. So um, Optus was there. Oh, yep. Optus is still going. Yeah, 20,000 plus on Tuesday. Oh, that's decent. They gave their reasons for last week's crash. It all seems a bit muddy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Aria's 20,000 plus. But of note, which I found really interesting, low results for the release of the AFL and NRL season draws. So low search results. I found that interesting. That I is thought, interesting uh, given there's been a bit of coverage about some of the NRL draws and some complaints there. I've, I've seen at least in my feed, but yeah, that's interesting. I just wonder if it's too far away for people. Probably. That is for me at least. Yeah, so like, well, that's it's March next well year. well away. Yeah, it's because yeah. those trends are interesting. Now, you're away next week. I am doing the annual Morton trip with the, uh, the family, so uh, it'll be good to get away. And yes. uh, just step out of Brisbane for a bit and uh, do very little. I might see what Greeny's up to. Yeah, Greeny will have to come in. At this point, he's just going to have to have a permanent seat here. <laughs> we'll try and get organised. Have a great week. Thanks. Thanks.